Welcome to Sin 315. We're here to encourage and equip Christians to engage in the adventure of sharing Jesus with those that God puts into their life. And we're so glad you're here. Not only are we so glad you're here, you should be blessed and feel very, very fortunate. Uh, you're getting to listen in on a conversation today with a guy that uh, I hold in the highest regard, uh, Mr. Rocky Craig. Thanks, Kevin. Great to be here. Yeah, I'm you. so glad you're here, man. Um, Rocky, I got to ask right off the right off the bat, and I don't want to get any uh, surprise questions on you here, but I might have a couple. Um, were you named after Newt Rockney? I was. I saw the spelling yeah. of your name is officially yeah. Rockney. Not many people know that. When they see R-O-C-K-N-E, they say Rocky. Yeah. All teachers. The only time I've ever been uh, called Rockney, I got a bad order when I was with the Royals. It came in Rockney Craig. <laughs> right on. And the equipment manager went, uh-oh, they screwed it up. And I go, I kind of like that. It looks pretty cool. That's the only time. When all my friends weren't aware. That you know, Rockney is Newt Rockney. Yeah, supposed to be a football player. Didn't make that. <laughs> well, you did, as they, as people probably are catching on to right off the bat. You did a little bit of baseball, and I'm going to try really hard. And uh, Sarah Main is a very good producer, so she'll help me with this. This could just be a couple of old school baseball guys geeking out on the, on the good old days, the golden era of baseball. I but love it. it. It sure was a part of your life for sure. I did do a little bit of research and it looked like you had a lot of fun. I know you played in some, some farm systems, including the Padres, I think the Astros and the Royals. Mostly the Royals, five years with the Royals. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, a lot of fun, a lot of, a lot of wonderful days, memories, friends that never go away. Can you explain that a little bit for folks that have never played Major League Baseball? What is that whole lifestyle like? And, and just tell us a little bit about it, a little background. I kind of equate it to the military. You meet people from all over the world. And uh, you bond as a team. You become a team. Uh, your friends, their family, you're, you're together all the time. And as the year goes on, you realize how close you have to be to be a team. You've got to work together. You've got to have common goals. You've got to help the weak ones get strong. Um, and it lasts a lifetime. But the problem is you get traded, the careers get over, <laughs> and then many years go by where you're raising families and you're, you're in a different part of a season of life. Yeah. So as, as I got older, we uh, we kind of reconnected, All especially through cancer. I've got some bad cancer, and cancer has brought back an amazing amount of friends. Uh, in preparation to find out how I'm doing, but also to see the joy that I've got in cancer. That's, that's, that's where my story is, more than anything. Yeah, and I, and I really want to go there. That's, you know, as, as you and I were talking about, what Scent 315 is all about is just helping regular folks share their faith with uh, respect and, and, and gentleness and, and doing it the way that you personify. And, uh, and I know a little bit about, you know, your battle and what's going on right now, and I've seen that joy, and I've seen that, boy, uh, well, I'll tell you, we talk about living a life that compels people to ask questions, because we're supposed to be prepared for anybody who asks. That's right. And so people are asking you, like, wait a minute, you're having this situation in your life, and it's really, really hard, but you've got a peace and a joy that folks don't understand. Sounds like that's going on. It's, a, it's comforting to see other people want to know why I've got joy, um, why I'm smiling, why I'm happy, why I'm getting these diagnoses that aren't so good. Um, um, everyone has problems. 
And what I try to tell people is you don't let your problems identify who you are. Don't mm. let the joy go away. And when coming back to church two weeks ago and Mark was talking about rejoicing in God mm. and not losing your joy, that's exactly what I'm trying to tell people. Whatever's going on in your life, and there's a lot of things going on in our world right now, but oh, everyone, yeah. everyone has these, these pitfalls and these valleys we get into. And uh, in those valleys, I've learned uh, since the year 2000, really, really before that, the, the strength I had when I was a baseball player, when I was a father of four and everything was going good, a beautiful wife living on a hill, good, good job, good benefits, uh, I didn't have Jesus. I was living, I was living, I was living a life that, uh, it felt good. It felt like everyone felt I was a good father, a good husband, good man, but uh, some circumstances in life with divorce and things like that, a marriage that wasn't working, is how I found Jesus. And it was not because I was looking for Jesus. I know he had a plan for me. And uh, I went into a church, didn't want to be there, felt very uncomfortable there. I raised my kids in a Catholic church, and I had to become a Catholic to get married, so I wasn't raised in a church as a kid. We had good parents that taught us <clears throat> integrity and honesty and good things in life. There were consequences to bad actions and things like that. But as far as God, we didn't get much. But that day in church, when I went in, there was no Jesus on the cross. There's no Mary. There's no holy water, no kneeling pews. Mm -hmm. Small little church out in El Cajon on 3rd and Lexington. And I'd, I went there not even knowing what kind of church it was. But that day, the pastor walked in. And Catholic church, when the priest walks in, they've got robes and gowns and bells and whistles. And <laughs> it's a big deal. This guy walked in with a turtleneck, walked up front, hey guys, good to see you. And his first words were, this will be the longest sermon I've ever given. Don't worry about your kids, we've taken care of child care. Well, I'm, I'm at the back, <laughs> I'm sitting at the back of the church thinking I'm out of here. So I started to turn, you know, because it didn't sound like where I wanted to be. And uh, he goes, we're going to talk about how to resolve marital conflict. Wow. That, that hit me. That was yeah. all that was wrong in my life. I had a wonderful life, but my marriage was not doing too good. So I stayed, and he gave a good sermon on uh, how to resolve not only marital conflict, but conflicts with children, with bosses, and stuff like that. It's centered on marriage. That, that service, he asked for uh, people with a broken heart to stand up. Wow. I did not want to stand up. I didn't want anybody to know I was in there, but I did stand up. And uh, he asked for hands on prayer. That day, uh, I felt like the whole church had prayed for me, probably two people. Mm -hmm. It felt like they prayed for an hour. It's probably two minutes, <laughs> but it melted me down. And when I when I sat down, I was a different person. And when church was over, I couldn't get up. Couldn't I had no legs. I was sitting there and just what do I do? And this guy came walking over and he goes, "Hey, I wanted to introduce myself. My name is Bob Hobbs. I'm ten years in this church. I helped build the church. We don't do hands on prayer very often. And Pastor Ollie, when he asked us to do that, I was sitting two doors down from you with my family. Came back and prayed. So." They explained some things to me. I started reading the Daily Bread, which mm -hmm. I've been doing for 21 years now. Sure, Got the Bible. I actually took the Bible right out of church because it's NIV, big print. I went, this is what I want <laughs> right here. <laughs> and that started a journey. And that, you know, it's been a real good journey. And each time that I've had problems, I had heart problems, I've had stroke, I've had cancer. Uh, each one of those brought me closer to God. And that's where my story really is. The things that people think are as weakness has made me strong. And when I was strong, you know, All-American baseball and stuff like that, I didn't have Jesus. So my strength was only in me. Mm -hmm. And with it in Jesus, 
It makes every day a mission. Every time I wake up in the morning, thank you, Lord, for today. In the morning when I rise, give me Jesus. And then I ask him to put people in my life like you're talking about, that we can hear their story, we can witness a little bit. I don't preach. I reflect what Jesus has done. Mm. And it, it's been, it, it works with me. Can you give me an example, Rocky, just a, a hands-on example of how that works in a practical way where you're able to share the Lord through what you're going through with somebody? Do you have an example of that? I've got many examples. Give us some. I think it'd be really helpful for somebody to put themselves in your place and go, okay, I get that. That'll make sense to me. So can you give us an example? Um, one I love is uh, Psalm 139. <clears throat> um, I've been sitting at a Starbucks outside just by myself, not reading the Bible, not doing any more than have a cup of coffee, and a barista walked out that I don't know. She's a smoker, and she need, needs her smoke breaks. And her, her hand went on my shoulder, and she goes, are you a Christian man? I said, I am. She goes, can you give me a Bible? I said, I can. <laughs> so she walked down to the end to have her smoke, and I walked down to see what's going on in her life. And she had a broken life. You know, She'd been uh, beat up in life with uh, abuse, drugs, alcohol, some prison time, just bad, bad life, a lot of pain. And uh, I go, after finding out her story, I said, I'll have you a Bible this afternoon. When we came back, she wanted to know about Psalm 30, 139 because I told her, she goes, where do I start in the Bible? Well, that's a good question. It's, hard, it's a hard book yeah. if you don't understand it. And I said, well, I want you to go to Psalm 139. She goes, is it a long Psalm? It's pretty long. I go, but it kind of explains life. But the last two verses, 23 and 24, it says, uh, uh, God, search my heart. Know my anxious thoughts. Change me. Anything needs to be changed and guide me on a path to eternal life. If we all did that every day, every one of us, our, our world would be different. Search me. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts because we have them, especially now, right now. Oh, yeah. Uh, change me what you need to change me and guide me. And uh, she wrote it down. You know, and I came back and saw her. She got into a a church out in Santee called Seven, got into a women's group, got into the Bible, loved the Psalms, kept in the Psalms. And that, that Psalm itself has helped me many times minister to people, and yeah. usually in my weakness. I had a biopsy in my lung, and they punctured my lung at the hospital at Grossmont. And it, it can be serious. They put a pump on you, and they send, send you off to another room. The lady in charge of internal medicine came in. I don't know her. All I can see is her eyes. She's got a mask on and a hat on. And she started, I couldn't speak because I had no air. She started telling me her life story without me asking. <laughs> <laughs> and again, you know, and I was in there a couple hours probably waiting to make sure the blood didn't fill up. And uh, in that time, as she told me her story, I was thinking about where God had her now. She'd been in bad relationships, bad uh, family growing up, no God, no church, no nothing. Men were abusive. Uh, over and over and over. And she's probably, I would guess, in close to 50. So when I finally could breathe, I asked her, do you go to church? And she goes, no, I've never been. Do any of your, uh, you know, your staff here, do they go to church? And they go to Journey, mm -hmm. a lot of them over there. And I said, well, why don't you go with them Sunday? Go with them? Uh, do you have a Bible? And she goes, no. I said, well, ask them for a Bible. They'll give you a Bible there at church. And uh, she kind of ho-hummed about it, and she goes, well, why? Do? And I tell her about 139 again, yeah. Psalm 139. And when I, when I said that, she wrote it down on a little pad. When I explained to her what it says, she wrote the little thing down. I went into chemo right after that, 
And I saw her six weeks later, just, I wanted to see how she was doing. And when I saw her, she ran up to me. You know, she goes, oh my God, I love the Psalms. I love that, that what you gave me. I'm in a women's group. I'm going to church every Sunday. <laughs> and that's how God works. In my weakest point where I couldn't speak, mm. God had her speak. And her story was uh, one that needed Jesus. And I told her, I said, let Jesus transform you. Don't be looking for another man. Don't be looking for your way of fixing this. Let Jesus transform you. Let him make you, because you're beautiful. I don't know if she's beautiful looking, but we're all beautiful. Mm. And God has a plan for us. And, uh, so that, that's one of my favorite stories. But her name's Lynn. I don't know where she's at now, but I know yeah. she's with a good group of people, and she's chasing uh, what we all want, be transformed by Jesus, not by herself. Yeah, whether, whether we know it or not. You yeah. know, that's, yeah, sure. he's the answer. I know so much of the time I've seen in my life and in other people's lives, um, he'll give you opportunity if you start off, like you said, um, it, that preparation is not memorizing the Bible and not being a theologian necessarily, right? The preparation is a preparation of our heart. Lord, I, I really do uh, care about the people that you're bringing into my life um, today. And uh, if you show me those opportunities, I'll, I'll step into it and I'll be faithful to do it. Uh, and talk about, you know, strength and weakness. You can't even talk. <laughs> you don't have oxygen. No. But quite frankly, it caused you to be a pretty good listener, I bet. Well, that's, that's a blessing, to be a good listener, because everyone has a story. And most people don't want to be preached to. Yeah. They want to tell you their story and then hear why you have joy. And... Uh, I call cancer the gift of time. I've done a video on that at Grossman Hospital, and it shocked people to hear that cancer can be the gift of time. And I said, for me, you know, the cancer initial diagnosis wasn't good, and I've been four and a half years in it now, and it's, it's not got any better. But the time that I've been given, four and a half years, I wasn't supposed to make two. Really? And uh, we're in four and a half, and I'm feeling pretty darn good, you know, and... Uh, I think that the time is uh, getting close to God, getting close to his word, asking him every day to use you, to see, uh, let your eyes see, your ears hear, and your heart absorb, and your mind be able to give his words. Because my words are just my words. Yeah. If you allow Jesus to uh, con control, your, your listening is very important, like you just said. You want to hear their story. Yeah. They want to hear your story. But your story is not even as quite as important as listening to theirs, so you can, you can help them because God gives us comfort so we can comfort others. Yeah, right there in Corinthians. I love that. Yeah, it's so true. I hear it so many times in memorials. You know, that's part of what our job is: is to comfort people with the comfort that we've been comforted with. You know, and that's what you're doing. You're just letting people know what you found to be true, what you've experienced, and what has really, really helped you. You know. Are, you've done a, a lot of volunteering, haven't you? As an astro, one of the programs at the hospital. I did, yeah. Yeah, um, I was I was intrigued by that because I noticed um, I've got a good friend named Jim Dealing, and uh, we used to hang out a little bit. It's his home group, and uh, he used to kind of pester me and tease me because I worked in gyms, you know, for thirty something years. You know, like, oh, dude, you're beefy. You know, I'm not, the, I'm not a huge guy or anything. I don't look like some big muscle head. I'm not. And, uh, and I said, well, dude, Jim, uh, how many people have uh, you shared the Lord with that work with you? He works at a church. He's a pastor. Right, <laughs> right. Like, he goes, yeah, I'm in a spiritual ghetto here. There's nobody I can share with. He joined a gym. Well, and he's, 
you know, I feel personally responsible for how buff this guy is because he's a monster, right? Good guy. Yeah, he is. And but he got in. He intentionally went to the gym not to get huge and beautiful, but he went there to share his faith because he wasn't in an environment working at a church. I mean, he does a lot of great work at the church for sure, but getting outside the walls of the church, he got in on the action, and it was cool. And people still remember him at the gyms. Um, so you and your volunteering, I would think that there'd be some of that opportunity because what was the volu- what did you do as a volunteer and what opportunities did you have during that? That happened at church. Uh, our pastor was saying, what gifts do you have that you're not using? And I was involved in the church. I was an usher and I worked at a home group and things like that. Uh, I worked with the youth, but I had time. The gift of time is what came to my mind. He gave us about a minute to just pray on what gifts we weren't using. And I'd been told by a friend that a Grossman Hospital volunteer would be a good thing for retired men like me, because my granddaughter, I was raising her, and my, I'd take her to school in the morning all day long, I was free, pretty much. So I could work a, a four-hour, six-hour shift at the hospital, and I went over and volunteered. Well, I thought I'd just walk in and just be a volunteer. It's a pretty good process. They do uh, background checks, and there's some training, and you, you figure out where your gifts might be. And because I was a UPS driver for 30 years when I got out of baseball, mine was driving the Blue Angel shuttle, Ah. having no idea how that was going to prepare me for my journey in cancer. Because I love people. I love greeting. I love uh, giving hope. Mm. And I I was a Christian man when I started, but uh, you don't don't get a chance a lot of times to to give your faith as a volunteer unless you're one-on-one with people because the other volunteers are different uh, denominations. Sure, yeah. And you got to be careful because people's emotions, you know, you got to be discerning on when. But that journey, I would take people to the cancer center in a golf cart and I'd pick them up in their golf cart and I'd bring them back to their car and they're beat up. Yeah, I bet. And uh, a few of them, quite a few of them, I would let them vent, you know, let them tell me how they're feeling, what's going on. And uh, some of them I'd, I'd ask, can I pray with you? And some of them have never been prayed for. There's a lot of people that have wow. never been asked that question. Yeah. So then when I was diagnosed with cancer, it came suddenly. I didn't, I've never smoked, never had a cigarette in my life, but I got lung cancer. And it came when I was volunteering. I had a bad day, and uh, it turned out my heart was out of whack. And uh, they could tell I was clammy and off color. And that biopsy on my uh that scan they did on my heart, they found lung cancer, which I said, you got the wrong guy. Yeah. That started another journey. So, um, yeah, as time went on, I realized that God had me right where he wanted me. He really had me sharing some stuff with people. And uh, some of the experiences at the hospital prepared me for my journey in cancer. And then they thought I was cancer-free in August of 2017. Uh, we did the chemo, we did the radiation, and I was given a pretty good... PET scan. So we celebrated and that Astro Award you're talking about was for volunteers that have uh, battled through cancer. Mm-hmm. And it's a national award. I had no idea what was going on, but I got a chance to speak to 800 research radiologists and oncologists down at the convention center. I wasn't supposed to speak. I was supposed to get an award, but I wanted to tell them. <laughs> I wanted to tell them my journey. So I, I gave a pretty good talk on the, about how the teams that work on you are amazing. And the, the, the the peace I had during chemo and radiation and being able to share with people in that. You're with a bunch of people when you're going through chemo and radiation and there's fear and there's lack of faith. And uh, to have joy going through that was unusual. 
But I know God gave me that joy so that he could share with other people at that point, at their weakest points. And I've got lifetime friends now that we've been through. And I noticed the ones that, that lived in fear didn't make it. Mm-hmm. Their fear and their anxiety and their worries took them more than the cancer, I think. And uh, I've gone through this journey with a, a love for the Lord, but also a love that my weakness has made me strong in Jesus. Yeah. And that's where I want to be. You know, um, so there's people that are listening for sure that are going through a very similar trial and sure. sim- similar time that you have. But there's other people that are in those other challenges in their life. Sure. What would you say, like you've learned um, in baseball, you learned some team things that really translate to life and how life works best. The team you're talking about with uh, that work in the cancer sure. you know, process and everything. So what would you translate to people that are just going through it tough times right now um, that would really help them not just share their faith, but to to have people compare, compelled to ask questions. You know what I'm saying? Sure. I think the main thing is to not identify with your problem, to identify with the joy that you have, to look back at how God's already been in your life, all the things he's done, even before I knew him. I didn't find Jesus until I was 50, so he's mm-hmm. a very patient guy. <laughs> And uh, I, I, it's not like I was a bad man, but I didn't know his word. I didn't have a desire to, to know much about Jesus. I knew God created a world and knew I was going to heaven if I was a good guy. That's the way I looked at things. Okay. And uh, there was an awareness pretty quickly that I did not know Jesus, and I didn't know his word. Uh, I would tell people not to uh, wake up in the morning and think, oh, God, I got can- cancer. Oh, my goodness, I got chemo. I've got radiation. The doctor said I have two years to live. Instead of doing that, think about all the blessings. My first thing was I didn't believe I had cancer. The next thing was, thank God it's me and not my children and my grandkids Mm. or someone that doesn't know the Lord because I knew God was with me. I knew he knew I had cancer, and there's a purpose there. Now, that's that's where the journey starts. What Mm. is that purpose? And it becomes a daily mission like you're saying to wake up in the morning and say, point me to someone. Having no idea which direction you're even gonna go. Cup of coffee, lunch, out on a walk. Everywhere you go, a store. When you ask a waitress, can I pray for you? And you watch her melt down because she needs prayer. It's a wonderful feeling that God opened that door. I don't do it every time, Yeah. everywhere I go, but uh, when the Holy Spirit says, you know, that person there looks like they've trouble, uh, and you ask them, "Can I pray for you?" It's amazing how God opens doors. Yeah, but if you focus on your problems, and it's not just cancer. I mean, there's Parkinson's, there's debt, there's kids in trouble. Every our world's pretty messed up right now, and if you focus on that, if you watch the news all day, you'll be a mess. But my sleepless nights, I call them quiet time with God. <laughs> And COVID, I call it quiet time with God, quality quiet time with God, because it's tripled the time I have to do devotionals and prayer and talk to people. So it's bad. And I'm in a different season of life than I was when I had four kids and was working. It would have been very hard to be as uh, cheerful, I think, as I am now with the situations. And also, if it was my children that had cancer, it'd be a lot different for me, I think, Mm -hmm. to have the faith that I have. It'd be more of a challenging. When it's your children or grandchildren, you hurt. When it's you, you know God's got it, and you're going to be all right. 
Yeah, I think there's some people that don't know that and need to know that. And sure. that uh, so much of the time we, I, you know, we ask the question, why, 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 instead of the question, okay, what now? I love that. You know what I mean? No, I love uh, that. Where do I go with this and what's your purpose in this? One thing that you've said that uh, it really impacts me, you said, I'm not going to let this disease, this condition, define who I am. Exactly. I'm not going to be defined by it. Right. So if you're not going to be defined by, okay, I'm a cancer victim, you know, blah, 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 um, how, would you, how would you define yourself? Um, thankful for the weaknesses that God's put in my life because they've made me strong. The strongest I've ever been to people was when I was a professional baseball player, an All-American, things like that. Or a father of four, a working man with good character, and I love being a father and a husband. That's when people thought I was strong. Right. But I was playing a game. I just checked the box by going to church on Sundays in a big country squire station wagon with four kids. Oh, yeah. I very seldom got anything out of the, the priest's message. There were things I liked about it. I love the... Uh, our Father, when we sing Our Father in church, you know, hold hands all the way through the church. I love the this peace, the sign of peace, where we meet some people around you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There were certain things I loved about it, but it was in Latin when I was younger. How was your Latin at that time? Zero. <laughs> I just happened to pick girlfriends that went to Catholic churches at the, at the point, but I'd kneel, I'd stand, I'd nothing out of it. And with my kids, we'd get donuts or breakfast afterwards, and everybody thought I was a good Christian man. Yeah. Get the whole family out there, and we get them in the CCDs, and you know we get them confirmation, all the things in the Catholic Church. But I really had no desire to know more until until God opened my heart and my mind to Him, and then I got hungry, yeah, for His Word. You know, I'm going to get this one absolutely butchered, but I remember this illustration. They were talking about uh, ham and eggs. And they said in a ham and eggs breakfast, uh, the chicken is involved. But the uh, pig is really, really committed. <laughs> and I know I messed that one up. No, I like that. But it really sounds like the transformation for you. Yeah. Because you, um, you were, for all appearances, you know, you, you, you were a Christian and this was happening and, you know, but sure. this, there's the outside. And then, um, and then there was a real commitment. And, and I, know, I know for a fact that it doesn't take a life-changing disease for that commitment to click on, right? I mean, no. we can make that decision like today and say, okay, um, Father, here I am, here we go, let's live this adventure. Let me, you know, I wanna, I wanna live the kind of life you, you want me to live right? with every breath. You brought up um, Psalm 139, pretty powerful, um, not only in our uh, training evangelism, youth evangelism training that I went through, did we memorize that because it is so spectacular. But my sister um, sent me um, a page of the devotional because this is the anniversary of my father dying. And that was the page that he read on the day that he died on the 14th of April. Wow. And um, he talks about this devotional. Um, might have been the Daily Bread. It really could have been the one that you read. And it was talking about every breath um, that he provides, you know, from the very first one to the very last one. That's right. That's right. And um, I, that devotion you're talking about, uh, Daily Bread, I went to Baltimore for emergency heart surgery in 2006, and I went alone. And it was prayerful. My brother and I looked up what a mitral valve is on, online. 
<laughs> took me to the University of Maryland Heart Center. 3,000 miles from home. No one's going to be with me. I have not checked with the insurance company. I called the doctor because they had a video of the mitral valve repair that they were doing. It's brand new. Minimal invasive mitral valve repair. Brand new. Dr. James Gammy. I called down there and the medical assistant got on and she talked for 45 minutes with me because there was a hurricane. She couldn't go home. She was stuck in the office. <laughs> we really got to know each other. And I, was, and I was telling her, I said, well, I'd like to come down. She goes, well, you're in San Diego. We're in Baltimore. And I said, I'll be there tomorrow. My ex-wife was a flight attendant. So we get flight. I took the red eye. I went around that day and got all my hospital stuff and all the documentation I could get in my heart. Flew with a red eye. Got into Chicago, or got into Chicago and then into Baltimore. And when I called that same number, it was an answering service. And they said, uh, I told them, Rocky Craig, I'm in here from San Diego. See Dr. James Gammy. Well, we'll send a shuttle out for you. They don't know me. <laughs> so I get a shuttle and, you know, like the, the Rocky Craig at the airport thing. I went out to, Bal yep. I went out to Baltimore's baseball field is where they told me to go on their trolley. And I get off and get the shuttle. It takes me to a hotel. The hotel gives me a, a room key and three vouchers for meals. They don't know me. I've got no reservations. <laughs> I get in, I have breakfast, I ask for the ride back to the doctors. And, uh, Maria, when I'd been talking to, never met me. Talked on the phone the day before. When I walked in a crowded office, she looked and she saw the dossier next to me. And she goes, are you Rocky Craig? I said, yeah. Started a journey. But in that journey, I did have the operation done. She set that up, which is impossible. Wow. I didn't have an appointment. He wasn't my doctor. I didn't check with insurance. I was down there three weeks, but uh, about six days into it, I'd had some complications. And I asked a girl that was cleaning my room, is there any chance you could find my luggage? Because when I checked in at five in the morning six days ago, I haven't seen it since. She goes, we don't need anything. You're in a hospital gown. You're stuck in here in the ICU. I said, there's a Bible and a devotional in there I'd like to get. And uh, she, she didn't have an attitude of wanting to help me. She was cleaning the room. <laughs> And she didn't say anything, but about a half an hour later, she came back with my suitcase, and I got the Bible out, and I got the daily bread out, and I'm sitting in a recliner. And uh, when I opened up the daily bread, I hadn't seen it. September 26, 2006. It said uh, the, the bottom has a uh, highlighted thought for the day. Right. And it said, for those who love the Lord, I will strengthen your heart. I looked at her and she, she goes, what are you crying about? And I said, I'm crying because this is why I love this word. This is why I love God's word. Where am I? I'm in the ICU, 3,000 miles from home. And God's telling me right here, for those who love the Lord, I will strengthen your heart. Well, every day she came back to clean my room. She wanted to know what it says. Uh, what to say today? What to say today? She got hungry for God's word just by that little devotional. And I know God opened that door that day for that, that moment for her. Yeah. And where it went, who knows? But that's our journey. Every day, look for something like that. Yeah. And that God leads you. So. Um, our listeners may have already heard a story I want to share with you just because it's so much fun and it blessed me so much. Um, I, at a wedding reception, ended up in a bathroom with a guy who gives his life to the Lord. We have this conversation. But I don't hear from him. It was 10 years ago. And we've got a website and so I do a little blog post there about different things that I think will help people and uh, stories that kind of make the idea come alive. And uh, so 
a couple of days after I wrote that blog post about always be prepared. You know, you could be in a bathroom with somebody and sure. boom, they're ready. That's what this adventure is like when you just give into them, right? And say whatever you need. Lord, That's right. You know, you need somebody to do this, I'll do that. Yep. And uh, two days after that blog went up, uh, a friend of mine who was the mother of the bride at that wedding, go, she sent me this picture, she goes, look what I found. And Mario, the guy that was in the bathroom that gave his life to the Lord 10 years ago, is serving at this church. I love that. He's like on the greeting team and he's all smiling and everything. And I went, Lord, thank you for giving me a peek because you never know what with a, that woman, you just don't know. You don't. And it doesn't doesn't really matter, yeah. right? But boy, it sure is encouraging to know that that uh, this is for real, that he really is involved, sure. and he really wants to use you. And if you give him half a chance, uh, even when you're 50, <laughs> that, yeah. that he'll change everything. Now, that trip home from Baltimore, my son played professional baseball too, and we finished up a season, he came down to get me because I couldn't have flown home alone, there's no way. And he had to take the luggage and wheelchair me around and make sure I got on airplanes. We get uh, told to take the blue train, which is like our trolley back to the airport. Okay. So he's got the luggage, he's standing up. Their chargers are playing the Ravens. It's huge. You know, like our trolleys get full. Yeah. Well, when it got on, I had no strength. I needed to sit down. There's no way I could have stood up with the surgery I had. And a seat opened up for me. And then a guy asked me, uh, are you going to the airport? I said, yeah. And he goes, well, you missed your stop two weeks, two stops ago. You were supposed to get off and transfer. So we get two stops to come back. And this other guy gets on, and he's uh, he's probably about 90 pounds. He's got no hair, no eyelashes. He's yellow, uh, very weak. And he sits down next to me. There's no seats. And I tell him, you're on a tough journey right now, aren't you? And he goes, yeah, I got cancer. I've had it for five years, and my doctor told me this would be my last Ravens game. If I want to go, go. And I looked at him. We have two stops. I tell him, do you know Jesus? He goes, uh, well, I pray the rosary every day. I've been doing that for five years. And well, the rosary is like five prayers to Mary, one to Jesus. I go, you've got a golden ticket right now. You know your time is not very long. You need to talk to Jesus and tell him. You know that he came for you. He died for you. You know you're a sinner. You want to be with him forever and thank him for dying for you. And uh, confess that you want to be with him. Two stops. We get off. My son goes, what was that about? It got quiet on the trolley, and it's not a quiet trolley. <laughs> I said, well, the door opened. And uh, he goes, what do you think he's going to do? And I said, well, I don't know what he's going to do, but I know he heard. Yeah. So those are opportunities that, you know, when the door opens, you never know when it's going to be or why it's going to be, or even if you'll have the right words, because he could have been offended that I was saying something that he didn't want to hear. Sure. But he listened, and other people listened, so... When I got off, he said, I know he heard. So. Yeah. Yeah, you see, um, if we do our job, the Holy Spirit will do his job. In his time. Yeah, and, it's, and it is his job. He draws people. You know, he, you know we, we don't get people saved. We're obedient, and we're having an adventure, and we're doing our part. No. And then, okay, and let's see what happens with that conversation. Sure. Um, I had an opportunity with my wife's dad, and he, um, you know, was a rough guy, you know, uh, working in construction uh, industry and stuff, and and uh, he was he was on what turned out to be his deathbed. And uh, this is an example of that. You just give it over to the Lord, and, and He takes care of it. Um, 
I asked him the same questions that you asked the guy on the trolley. And I didn't have much of a relationship with this guy, uh, with my father-in-law. And so I, uh, I said, you know, have you, have you given your life to the Lord? I mean, have you had that conversation with him? And he said, I've been too bad. He, sure. won't, he won't take me. You know, I've just done too many things. Sure. And I've been too bad and I'm just lost. And I said, okay, well, would, would you mind just giving me a promise that you'll ask him? that you'll have a conversation with him and just ask him and see what he says. And, you know, when you're talking about significant things, when somebody's in the hospital and, you know, the stuff you're dealing with and the people that you're in with, it's significant. It's like a holy moment in time. It's not just your trivial, you know, hey, you had a higher batting average than George Brett kind of conversation. (laughs) (laughs) But I went home and I took the verses of the Bible of what Jesus said about this man that was at the end, towards the end of his life. And it was all Jesus's words. And it was the conversation that, that he would have had with him, talking about, come on to me if you're, you're tired and you're burdened and I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna cast anybody out. I'm gonna accept every single person I made you. I loved you, I died for you, all of that. So I wrote that all down like a letter from Jesus to him. But I didn't get back to him in time to give it to him. He passed away. And I had this peace because I really believed that he was going to have that conversation. And Jesus is going to say to him what he wrote, what they wrote in the Bible. I mean, it's the same sure. thing. It's the no. same message, right? It's promises. And I have that, have that peace that he had that conversation with Jesus. And he would have heard all of those verses that were in that letter. I love that. We do our part. And the Lord's going to do the Always. other part. And, you know, maybe you beat yourself up. Like, I could have beat myself up. I didn't get back in time, blah, 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 whatever. But it wasn't up to me. Right. Um, and so if people who f- are afraid to share their faith, they're afraid to have that conversation on the trolley, they're afraid to talk to the Starbucks waitress, you know, you just do a little bit. Like, like the young guy who had the fish and bread. Right. Just whatever little bit you got. Give that to Jesus, watch him breathe on it, and do a miracle. Exactly. And multiply it. Yeah. And that can be so encouraging to somebody saying, hey, I'm not Rocky Craig. I can't do that. Or I'm not an evangelist. I can't do that. Yep, you can. And you can do it just the way that he made you. And he will set up those situations for you to do what you're supposed to do. And the more you do it, the more opportunities you're going to get. And I think there's a lot of reward in that. We might not ever see it until we get to heaven. Yeah. But there's a lot of reward if you do it every day. If you can reflect what Jesus has done in your life and show the joy and, and rejoicing that is there in Jesus, not in cancer, not in divorce, not in strokes and things like that, or the world, you'll, you'll be able to minister to a lot of people just by your attitude and the way your outlook on life is. You know, you could be bitter with cancer. A lot of people are with disease. They get bitter. They get angry and uh, worried. and uh, You don't know how to function. It's the same with any trial we have in life. If you let God be your source every morning, every day, every night, yeah, um, He'll give you the strength. You know, Rocky, uh, a devotion that I heard today was uh, in Second Corinthians, and Paul was talking about how the Corinthians were his validation for his apostleship. They were his letter. And just wrapping it up, I just want to tell you, um, you're a great letter. You're the Thank letter you. of Jesus, and people are reading that letter, and it's it's affected my life. It's affected the people that I know that you're around 
at, you know, at church, but also the people that you're especially around outside the walls. And I just want to say thank you for living that kind of thank life. You. Thank you, Lord, for that, too. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Um, well, thanks, thanks for sharing today. I think it's I've enjoyed be, it, Kevin. Always good to see you. Always be around you is a, a treat. I miss you. I feel the same way about you, man. God bless you. God bless you. And uh, I think that everybody knows that they're sent and they're equipped. And, uh, and we would love to hear their experiences. We all have a story. We sure do. God bless you guys. Thank you. That was good. <laughs>